superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's Wee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Michelin Cross Climate 2. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to 3 and Out with your boy John Middlecoff back at you again on a Wednesday. How's everyone doing? Coming at you live from the Colin Coward Podcast Network. Uh, If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. If you leave your question in the review section, we will get to it. The draft is right around the corner. It's March 28th. The draft's on April 26th, less than a month away. Got a big show for you today. We'll talk a little about Wonderlick scores, our Odell Beckham Jr. on the trade block, some, some stuff with how NFL teams deal with young quarterbacks and their development, and, and just a, a thing that I, I, I believe in, and Sean McVay and his new super team, and is a 32-year-old equipped to handle it. Uh, I, I got some thoughts and opinions on that bad boy, but let's start with Wonderlick scores, and, and specifically with the quarterback. Uh, for those of you who don't know, if you're if you're listening to this, you probably have some idea. Wonderlick score, it's kind of like a basic, I, I wouldn't even say SAT test. It's just kind of a basic test uh, that is scored out of 50 that every draft prospect takes. Uh, it's kind of like every draft prospect runs the 40. And then you can compare and contrast scores from previous years to now. It's just a way to kind of get it one standardized test and score system so you have everyone down. And it's, we talk about it the most because really for me, it means something with quarterbacks. Because when it comes to quarterbacks, when someone says, why does that matter? And my response is always, everything matters when it comes to quarterbacks. The guy's the face of your franchise. He is your franchise. If he hit, if he becomes a good player, he's going to become the most expensive player on your franchise. 
when talking about quarterbacks, it's why even the top prospects get so nitpicked. Because again, everything matters. Well, I, I don't think these are out yet. So if you're listening, you'll get this information for the first time right here on 3 and Out Podcast. Uh, the Wonderlick scores for the top quarterbacks. And the top four, the guys that I think are going to go probably in the top eight picks, uh, did really well. Josh Rosen scored a 29. Sam Darnold scored a 28. Josh Allen, super smart, scored a 37. Baker Mayfield scored a 25. Lamar Jackson, not that well, did a 13. We'll get to him in a minute. But to, to, to compare a little bit, Carson Wentz scored a 40. Jameis Winston, 27. Marcus Mariota, 33. Jared Goff, 36. To me, anything above... 22, 25 for a quarterback is more than enough. Anything over 30 is fantastic. The top guys are all really smart. I've been saying from day one, I'm a big Josh Rosen fan. I think he's the best player in this draft. He is a very, very intelligent guy. I am not a big Josh Allen guy. It's not because he's not intelligent. I'm watching him some of these interviews. He's really sharp. Wonderlick score, 37. He is a smart guy. I just can't get over his inaccuracies. Baker Mayfield, 25, more than high enough. My issue with Baker is more emotional intelligence. And some of his physical skills, being six feet tall, does that translate? The history of the league, there's only been really in the last 20 years, how many good six-foot quarterbacks have there been? Two come to my mind, Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. So he, he is fighting. he is fighting to become an outlier, which is really, really difficult. Uh, and then Sam Darnold, who... It's pretty clear, we talked about it last week when the Pro Day was going on, he has the highest floor in this draft, scored a 28, smart guy, total package, high emotional uh, intelligence. I learned when I was in the NFL that just because you're really smart in the classroom, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be smart on the field. And you often go, you know, this guy's a straight A student, but he's not very football smart. That, that, That happens a lot. For example... Colin Kaepernick, who's a pretty polarizing name now, was a 4.0 student, was a really, really good student, really smart guy. Well, from a football standpoint, he struggled at reading defense. His quote-unquote football IQ was not viewed very highly. As Jim Harbaugh and the coaching staff started putting more on his plate in 2014 when they changed their entire offense to become more of a a modern-day passing offense, he could not do it. But you go, just because a guy's a 4.0 student does not mean he is going to be, you know, Drew Brees or Peyton Manning on the field. So when I look at the top four guys, Rosen, I knew was really smart. I'm more worried about him just from a can he stay healthy standpoint and more of a movement standpoint, can he avoid rushers. Sam Darnold, I, I really have no questions about him. More just he needs to keep developing on the field, turning the ball over, ball security, basic things. Josh Allen, he is really, really intelligent. My question with him, is he just accurate? When a dude is open down the field, can he hit him in the hands? I don't think he can, and I do think that that skill is going to be really hard to learn. And with Baker, can he overcome some of his emotional issues in terms of learning to kind of not let everything... He's got this chip on the shoulder, which makes him great, but it also crosses the line at certain times, and I think that's made and turned some teams off in the NFL. I'm a Baker Mayfield guy. I do think he will become a good pro. I don't think he's Johnny Menzel. And as you see with his 25, he's a smart guy. If if he can harness his emotions at the next level, which is hard, especially if you become a top five pick, which it looks like he has a good chance to be, 
uh, and the magnifying glass and the bright lights and everything is on top of you, sometimes guys crack. Everything I know about Baker and talking to people at Oklahoma, I do think he will mature and be able to handle it, especially if he ends up with the Denver Broncos around John Elway. I, I think that's a pretty conducive spot. And now Lamar Jackson. L- let me say this. Just because you score well on the Wonderlick test, I-, I just actually looked up Johnny Manziel scored a 32. Johnny Manziel was really, really smart, but had struggled, obviously, addiction-wise, couldn't stay focused, uh, was, just a, was just a slap in the NFL, was just a someone that was not dependable. So just because you score high does not mean you're going to be a good player. And just because you score low does not mean you're going to be a bad player. But when you heard people in the NFL thought that he should transition to wide receiver, those people, and I don't necessarily believe that. I, I do think that you can have packages like going back to Colin Kaepernick, like the 49ers did originally for Colin Kaepernick, do things that he does well on the field. Uh, have plays that he is confident and that are conducive for his success. When you look at an entire package of an offense, teams are going to look at that score, 13, which is Baker, the lowest score of the top four. It's almost half of what he scored. And go, does he have the cognitive ability to learn the offense? I don't know what his GPA was in school. He he might be a 4.0 student. But they're going to look at that score and go, does he have the capability to handle what we give him? Because when you play receiver, when you play running back, when a lot of other positions, I don't, like as a, as a former scout, as someone that looks at this stuff now for a living, I don't give a shit. You can score a two. It does not matter. If you're really football smart and you can get open runner routes, if you can, you have the instincts to play running back, if you know how to, uh, you know, read your keys and make tackles as a linebacker, I don't care what you score. At quarterback, I do care. And that, that number is pretty alarming to me. And that number, I know the way these guys think in the league, is only going to hammer home that does he have the ability to take everything in and play the quarterback position at the NFL from a mental level? Is it make or break? No. Is it concerning? Is it a pretty? Is it a red flag to people in the league that already had red flags on his ability going in? Yes. And it's as this kind of gets out and this score gets out, there's going to be an outcry on Twitter. Listen, I'm just telling you, people in the NFL were already questioning his ability. This is only going to make those questions become stronger. This is going to be a a conversation in draft rooms that become doubled down. And I think you're going to see a lot more teams now believe that he is not a quarterback and is going to have to transition to wide receiver, right or wrong. And, And I would start him at quarterback for sure. But that number, whatever that number was, five teams in the NFL that viewed him as a quarterback, I bet with this score alone, that that number doubles, if not triples. Now, speaking of those rookie quarterbacks, I've had somewhat of a theory and something I've really thought of the last couple years that's really been a changing of the guard in the NFL. And I think it's very, very important for definitely the top four guys, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and Baker Mayfield for them in their rookie years to do. I went to Cal Poly. Uh, NFL fans, you might have heard of Chris Gokong, third rounder. Ramsey's Barton, flamed out, but also a third rounder. We've produced a couple guys over the years. Good academic school. I I really don't know how I got in. Uh, And the the university had a saying, a a motto, uh, something they kind of hung your hat on, and it was learn by doing. And when you first get there, you don't really pay that much attention but the older I've gotten and the farther away from college I've gotten, 
I realized, God, that, that makes a lot of sense. The best way to learn in life, whether it's professionally, whether it's academically, whether it's anything you're doing, is by actually doing it. <laughs> you know? The, to me, the best way to learn is through experience, by far. And in the NFL, with young quarterbacks, it used to be 100% you would redshirt guys. Hell, they may even sit a couple years. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers. Now, granted, he was behind Brett Favre, but he sat for basically three years. Did not play. To me, those days have been completely thrown out the window, as well as they should have been. I saw a great tweet this week that really got me thinking about this uh, by Andy Benoit of the Monday Morning Quarterback. He said, over the last 12 drafts, zero quarterbacks have gone in the first round, have sat out as rookies, and then become their franchise long-term starter. Quarterbacks don't develop from the bench in today's NFL. You know what, Andy? I think you're 100% correct. You ha- The way you learn in today's NFL, especially because I get in the 70s, 80s, you throw them out there, Mean Joe Green, Ronnie Lott, you know, the 90s, Reggie White, uh, John Randall would kill you, would literally break you in half. Now they can't. The, the rules, they can't really touch you. I mean, hell, they can't even land on your feet. They get thrown for a flag if you're a defensive lineman. You're pretty guarded and safe back there as a quarterback. Now, you may struggle, but I'd argue struggling's a good thing. How many times in life have you struggled at something, then six months later, you become really strong at whatever aspect of the thing you were struggling at because you battled through it? Like, to me, failure can work as a positive. And you look recently at the quarterbacks the last three or four years, they basically have all been thrown to the wolves. Carson Wentz. Even Dak Prescott, when Tony Romo broke his back. Jared Goff didn't have to start from the beginning, but started by midseason. Same thing with Teddy Bridgewater, who was going to become a solid player until his leg fell off. Same with Blake Bortles. Came midseason. I saw it firsthand with Derek Carr. Derek Carr benefited so much his second and third year because he played as a rookie. Started every game. Same, obviously, with Carson Wentz. For, there's only so many Andrew Lux that are truly ready You know, a lot of these guys, you really benefit from having those looks, going through those rookie struggles. I'd argue, like Dak Prescott, because his rookie year was pretty easy and there wasn't much, you know, rough waters for him, that I think his second year of kind of going through some struggles should really benefit by his third year. Most of these guys go through their ups and downs as a rookie. Pat Mahomes, he was in an all-time unique situation. Because they had Alex Smith, who was a very, very solid starter, who then was having the best year of his career, and the Chiefs were going to the playoffs. But luckily enough, somehow, because the way the schedules had set up, and they had a clinched berth, and they didn't have anything to play for, they were able to get him a game experience the last week of the season, and to me, 100% proved to them, like, oh my God, we got something here. And they knew they had something there, but that game, seeing him against live bullets, I saw from the owners' meetings this week, Andy Reid had said, you know, it was one thing all year to see it in practice. It was another thing to see him in that game against the Denver Broncos, who was playing their starters, and we were playing our backups. It really helped me make that trade, because I knew this is more than just something. We got our franchise quarterback. And I don't. they would not have known that And I don't know 100% they make that trade without that game. There is nothing like game experience for these guys. 
So we're going to talk a lot. Like Josh Rosen, if he ends up with the New York Jets, he's going to be the starter. Sam Darnold, if he ends up with Cleveland, I, I don't see how he's not the starter. So those guys, just given their quarterback room and the depth. Now Sam Darnold, I guess with Tyrod Taylor, does he have to start week one? Probably not. But he has to play as a rookie. Like Josh Rosen's going to go to New York. I, you know, I saw Todd Bowles say Josh McCown's the starter week one. I is Are we sure? Because <laughs> I know for one thing, Josh McCown makes a damn good backup. And if Josh Rosen's my quarterback, he's starting week one. Sam Darnold, I get it. He's a little bit more of a project, but he's got to play at minimum by mid-October. Josh Allen, who's much more of a project than all these guys, but part of building the project is getting him on the field against live bullets. So if he ends up in Buffalo, if he ends up in Denver, you know, with Case Keenum, Buffalo obviously has now A.J. McCarron, you don't have to start him week one when he probably is not going to be ready, but you have to play him as a rookie multiple games. Like Mahomes, n- none of those teams are going to be in the Mahomes situation because those teams aren't going to be going to the playoffs. <laughs> and they do not have Alex Smith on the roster. Josh Allen, to me, who's the biggest project of Rosen, Darnold, Allen, and Baker, he at minimum has to get a month of playing time. So whether that's all of December, he has to get games under his belt. Whether you're losing those games is okay because you're growing with him. You're finding out what he has. And Baker, who i starting to feel like he's going to end up with the Denver Broncos, he, like, it's I it's going to be hard for him to beat out Case Keenum week one, but I, I got to see Baker Mayfield play as a rookie. So if I'm taking any of these guys, especially where they're probably going to go in the top five or six picks, they have to play as a rookie. In a perfect world, they play every game like Carson Wentz, like Derek Carr. If it, In a not-so-perfect world, they get the Jared Goff treatment. They play half the season. Remember how bad Jared Goff's rookie year was? I was a huge Jared Goff fan. I'll be honest, I was a little scared that he was going to be a bust. Like, I thought, oh my God, that, that's what a bust looks like. You know what it turned out? He was 21 years old on a Jeff Fisher-led team. It was just in shambles. He was just going through some growing pains. What happened when he got a good coach the next year? Oh, he's actually okay. He's solid. He's fine. Like, it's, he's going to be okay. Jameis, Marcus Mariota, the, the experience you have as a rookie uh, it just cannot be, cannot be duplicated anywhere else. Not, not on the practice field, not in training camp, not in preseason games. There, there's nothing like it, especially back-to-back games. Like, the one thing about Mahomes, you'd wish he would have got a couple games, like Got to play the one game, build on some of the things he struggled as at, had a, had a team game plan against him, and, and get that. Now, again, he was the situation just not present itself. With all these guys, I'm telling you, I, I can you can see it from a mile away with all the potential teams are going to. The situations are going to present itself. Have them play multiple games. At minimum, you know, they got to get a month. I, in a perfect world, you know, even for the biggest projects in Josh Allen and Sam Darnold, I'm giving them half the season. Josh Rosen, starting every game from day one. To me, Baker Mayfield should be ready to start day one. Even if you get Case Keenum, you saw this several years ago. It's a little different because I think Case Keenum's better than this player. But the Seahawks paid Matt Flynn a lot of money. They had an open competition. Say one thing about Pete Carroll, the word competition, when he says it, he means it. And he means it because it works. They had an open competition. Russell beat him out. 
change their franchise forever. So if you, I would have an open competition like Case Keenum. I, I know we just gave you $25 million guaranteed. We also just drafted this guy number five. He is getting the opportunity to compete with you for the spot. And if he beats you out, he beats you out. And you'll be the best backup in the league. Definitely the highest paid. There's nothing wrong with that. So I, I would not only recommend to playing these guys, l- learn by doing, because that's how these guys will learn. Make it an open competition from day one. And if they get beat out, they get beat out. But just know that they're going to play by different rules and you're going to have to get them in games. So I, I look at, I feel good about Rosen playing from day one. And I feel pretty good about Baker being able to play from day one. The other two guys, a little more projects. But the only way for them to truly become good pros is to play as rookies. Let's get into probably the biggest topic right now in the NFL. Odell Beckham Jr. And will the New York Giants trade him? I've, since being on Twitter and being active on Twitter the last four or five years, I've developed a life philosophy. If everyone on social media, especially Twitter, believes one thing, like everyone's hanging a left, I always hang a right. Because typically when the herd goes in one direction, they're usually wrong. So right now, if you open up Twitter, everything you'll read regarding Odell Beckham, the New York Giants, is how could the Giants even think about trading Odell Beckham? Oh my God, every team in the league should be lined up with their first rounder. As Schefter said, they're looking for two first-rounders. And then, right actually before I recorded this, I saw on Twitter that they're now willing to accept like a first and third rounder. And everyone on Twitter is like, oh my my team, Team X, we got to do it. So whenever that is the overwhelming majority of people on social media, I know they're wrong. It's just, it's really just that simple. Let, Let me preface this whole Odell Beckham Jr. conversation by this first. Because people are like, Middlecoff, you're just an Odell Beckham Jr. hater. No, I'm actually not. I think he's the second best receiver. Now, obviously, last year he broke his ankle. But when he was healthy, his first three years, the second best wide receiver, let me repeat, in the NFL behind Antonio Brown. If they're all healthy, I would rather have Odell Beckham Jr. than Julio Jones. I think Odell Beckham Jr. is a dominant force. Is an unstoppable force. That being said, when you talk about a receiver... It's the one position, like, even as a running back, I just have to hand you the ball. Like, it's much easier just to turn around and hand you the ball. As a receiver, I need to physically throw you the football. The the act of throwing the football is just much more difficult than handing. So it's, of the three major skill positions, quarterback, clearly the hardest. Running back, it's just easier to get the ball. As, as a wide receiver, you are so dependent on your quarterback and your offense. Now, as he's proven, it doesn't matter. He just dominates with an Eli Manning that sucks without him and who's good with him. But that being said, and I live in the Bay Area, so I've been constantly inundated the last couple days on Twitter of, should the 49ers trade the ninth pick for Odell Beckham Jr.? And my response simply, without hesitation, is no. You can't look at this stuff in a vacuum. This isn't, we're not playing Madden. If this was Madden, yes. If this is real football with a salary cap and when money matters, no chance. First off, they're not a player away. Second off, I look at it like this. The ninth pick last year, John Ross, uh, signed a contract that averaged a little under $5 million per year. Odell Beckham, part of trading for Odell Beckham, as Rapsheet said earlier this week on NFL Network, he will not step foot 
OTAs, training camp, the season, which is a little bullshit. When push came to shove, his fifth-year option is worth like $13 million. He'll show up. But... Uh, it, it's it's a mass. If you're trading for him, you're not trading for him. Then hold out. You would be giving him a new contract. That new contract to put make relative. Mike Evans, another star receiver, signed for fifty five million dollars guaranteed. Odo Beckham Jr. is better than Mike Evans. I think dramatically. I think the number that Odo Beckham Jr. is going to be looking for is closer to seventy to seventy five million dollars guaranteed. Like Jimmy Garoppolo money. And then anywhere between $18-19 million a year. Let's just use for accounting purposes the number 18. So if I'm the 49ers and pick 9, and I draft Quentin Nelson, and he's averaging about $5 million a year on his rookie contract, and Odell Beckham is getting $18 million, that's a difference of $13 million. Well, check Google or go to SpotTrack and find out how much NFL players make. Like, you can get then a couple starters, you know, for five, six million dollars. That's three to four players. Quentin Nelson plus another three guys. And if I'm a team, like the 49ers, for example, that is not a player away, Odell Beckham doesn't make any sense. Because on top of that, like, not only do I get, let's say, Quentin Nelson, guard from Notre Dame, do I get for five million dollars a year, I get under team control, cost control, for at minimum four years until that fifth-year option, which might be pretty high, and usually by then you extend them. Like, the money matters in the NFL. And I got someone else. I'll give you another proposed trade I got on Twitter. Amari Cooper kind of had a down year last year. Should the Raiders trade, for example, like Amari Cooper and a second-round pick for Odell Beckham Jr.? Well, again, in a vacuum... Amar- Odell Beckham Jr. is a better player than Amari Cooper. That, there is no debate. It, honestly, if Amari's going to play like he did last, it ain't even close. Now, I think Amari will bounce back, and I think Amari's a pretty good player. I, I think he is. He's a Pro Bowl level player. Odell Beckham is an All Pro Hall of Fame level player. But the the Raiders, for example, and we'll talk about the Rams here coming up in a minute, have to pay Khalil Mack. Like when you draft good players. Eventually, it comes to roost that you have to pay them. Well, Khalil Mack, Mike Evans just got $55 million. Aaron Donald hasn't signed yet. Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack are looking at that Mike Evans contract and going, okay, let's see what Odell gets. Odell going to get 70? Okay. We're going to get about 80 guaranteed, averaging about $21, $22 million a year. The Raiders do not have the salary cap space. Amari Cooper doesn't have to be paid right now. He's on a rookie contract, making six, seven million dollars. Odell has to get paid eighteen million right now, on top of Khalil Mack that you have to pay. That is your own guy. Like that's part of the deal. That's <laughs> part of the NFL. So I, I would not do that. Like part of the good part about when you hit on draft picks on separate years is they're not all on the same timetable. Like, I, I like having a guy in his second year and a guy in his fifth year. So if you have to pay the guy in his fifth year, you're still a couple years away from paying the guy in his second year or his third year. Like, that's the way that you keep the turnover and the salary cap, you know, in a good spot. Odell Beckham Jr., if he was a second-year player under a rookie contract, even if it was, you know, he was drafted in the first round, he would be pretty easy to trade for a first-round pick. I think the part of the problem why this is difficult to trade for him and why you're not seeing NFL teams just knocking down the door to get him 
is because of that contract that he's going to ask for and demand. And rightfully so. He's got a good argument. He's also coming back from a major injury at a position that's very predicated and just his ability and his skill set on explosion, on just top-end speed, on just special athleticism. Well, he broke his foot or ankle. I mean, that's a big issue. Now, I'm just following him on social media. He looks healthy. He's young. He'll probably be fine. But the, still, the point remains is Odo Beckham Jr., since I've been watching football, uh, if you go the Giants' best players the last 30 years, obviously LT's the best player ever. Uh, then you'd probably go Michael Strahan. You know, Eli Manning had a couple unreal postseason runs. But Odo Beckham, probably just from a talent standpoint, would probably be three, you know, behind LT and Michael Strahan. You know, he's that. So if they are willing to trade him, which clearly they are, uh, that's a pretty big red flag for me. Same deal as we talked about Marcus Peters. And again, we'll get into the Rams here in a second. When Andy Reid, who drafted this player, is willing to trade them, I kind of question. Now, the difference here is, and if you're doing the pro trade for Odell argument is, I think Dave Gettleman is an old stiff. He struggled to handle this in Carolina with Josh Norman. He is not a big personality guy in terms of his players. Uh, I, I think Dave Gettleman, he might be a solid personnel evaluator. I by no means would want him running my personnel department and picking what personalities he wants or does not want. Like in a perfect world, he'd want 22 Luke Keekleys. Guess what, Gettleman? 22 Luke Keekleys don't exist. Sometimes you got to deal with Odell Beckham Jr. Like deal with it, guys. <laughs> like figure it out. Like part of being a good coach or a good general manager, is not just getting rid of every good player that you inherit. Just because the team struggled, and they did last year, Odell missed 12 of the games. Like, it wasn't, Odell doesn't have that much blood on his hands from last season. Like, Eli has most of it. Obviously, McAdoo does. Fired. Uh, a lot, Janoris Jenkins, a lot of other players in the franchise. It's not all Odell. But again, I, I, I think it even starts even higher. It's an ownership deal. I think he makes them uncomfortable. And I think the ultimate level of uncomfortability for them is are we going to pay this guy the highest contract we've ever given beside you know maybe some cash they've given to Eli but really the highest guarantees we'll ever have given a player in the history of our franchise to this guy can we trust him and again I always say this everything matters in life so did that picture with the potential it might have been cocaine might have not been it might have been a crust in his hand it might have been a blunt I don't know with the model and the pizza, is it that big of a deal? No. But it's just one thing after another. When you're going to pay a guy an astronomical amount of money, like when you look at the other two guys in his draft class that are going to get broken off, the Rams have no issues with Aaron Donald. The Raiders have no issues with Khalil Mack because they don't ever have to deal with that. Because you know why? They check on social media and what are those guys doing? Working out. <laughs> you know? What are those guys doing? At home, watching TV. They're never screwing around. So they're not going to... Now, they hesitate because it's going to cost so much. And it's just hard to pay that much to any player. But you're not worried about, like, you go to bed at night feeling good about having them on your team. I think you get nervous with Odell Beckham Jr. on your team. And rightfully so. So I'm not shocked that all the other 31 teams aren't a little nervous. Because, they again, they know the moment they trade, which it would cost a lot, probably a first-round pick. How many teams in the league are a first-round pick away? Or a player away? Like, yeah, the New England could do it. I, to me, New England makes some sense. But Belichick wouldn't want to pay a player that much money. So it doesn't make that much sense. The Steelers, they already have a star wide receiver. Jacksonville, uh, you know, does he even make that much sense with Blake Bortles? Like, n- name me a team that's a player away. To me, John Schneider, 
three or four years ago with that Seattle team would do it. Well, he's not equipped to do it anymore. There really just aren't that many teams that even make sense. Like John Elway a couple years ago would do something like this. His team is, you know, eight players away, not one. John Lynch and the 49ers, they're aggressive, but this doesn't make any sense. They're, They're not a player away. And they have the money, same with Cleveland, but why would you put that much money? And the guy is a star player, but when you're that far away, I think it's going to be a lot harder to trade Odell Beckham than people think. Let's end on this. I'm a millennial. I uh, I root for millennials. I often think when I when I read stories like, how do you relate to the millennials? I often just shake my head because I, I I truly believe this. You either relate to people or you don't relate to people. You know, there there are 70-year-olds that get people. I, there's a, uh, so far, every game that Michigan wins in the NCAA tournament, they do like a big water celebration where they dump water on everyone. John Beeline, the head coach, that is 65 years old, looks like he's a 20-year-old kid with everyone. He just gets people. Say what you want about Belichick. He clearly relates pretty well with the player. In the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s, now, He's got a pretty good feel for it. I remember a couple years ago, I was watching a TNT game back when Brian Shaw was the head coach of the Denver Nuggets, and they went to a sideline report reporter who Rachel Nichols at the time was working for TNT, and she was doing sidelines, and read a story that Brian Shaw, who I'm pretty sure he's probably like in his early 40s, was reading a book on how to relate to millennials. I said, yeah, he's screwed. He's got no chance. You either get players or you don't. Uh, and age really is no factor. But to me, the age does come into play when you have experiences, when you're, when you're younger, and you haven't been through them. And there are just things you can't rely on that you've been through earlier in your career, whatever you're doing. And you see it a lot with coaches. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough, worked around Andy Reid. He's seen it all. So they're definitely in Kansas City. There is no situation that he hasn't come across in his in basically what was he in Philadelphia? 15 years as a head coach. 15 years as a head coach. So every decision he makes, whether it's suspending Marcus Peters for a game, he has experience doing something of the sort. You know, I mean, he suspended Terrell Owens, sent him home from training camp. It's the one thing that I question about this quote-unquote super team that they're putting together in L.A., the L.A. Rams. Just signed Adamican Sue. Uh, who's $14 million. It's not like he came cheap. He didn't take a discount. I know everyone on Twitter is like, God, Nadamakin turned down money. Did he really? He got one year $14 million. He's going to be a free agent again next year. That If he just plays solid, which I don't see how he doesn't just be good. I mean, he's going to be next to Aaron Donald and just a really good defense. He's going to get broken off. Well, he's got this super team now of Nadamakin Sue that's had his issues with a franchise or two. A keep to leap that's butted heads with some people over the years. Marcus Peters, that the Kansas City Chiefs were just willing to pay. And there's just going to be a ton of pressure. And they they also have a guy, which I would assume gets paid here relatively soon, in Aaron Donald, that was edgy last year, held out because he hadn't been paid. That'll probably be taken care of soon. But there are, beside probably the New England Patriots, maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers, I don't know if there's going to be a team in the NFL with the expectations that the L.A. Rams are going to have. The pressure, uh, just the spotlight of being in L.A. And we've also seen this, or we, we haven't seen this, excuse me, is there haven't been a, 
you know, before these two teams moved, was last year the first year? It feels like they've been there for a couple of years. Yeah, I think last year was the first year there. They hadn't been there in 20 plus years. Obviously, the world's changed. LA, I mean, it's a different world now. Uh, I mean, LA ain't your typical, this ain't Jacksonville. You know, this is not Houston. This is not a super team in Minnesota. I mean, this is Los Angeles. There's a lot of shit to do. You're going to have a, listen, I think Sean McVay is a brilliant offensive play caller. As a true head coach, he he really, you know, he's not Andy Reid, Mike Tomlin, Pete Carroll. When the defense is on the field, he sits on a water cooler and goes over offensive plays because he is the offensive coordinator. Like, I watched Kyle Shanahan last year. He, when the defense was on the field, he's just standing next to his defensive coordinator. Like, he acts like a head coach. Sean McVay, now, and I'm not, at first, I was really turned off by that move. Then, as the season went on, I realized that's just what he has to do. He has a seasoned, an old, I mean, 70-plus-year-old Wade Phillips, who's actually blocked me on Twitter, running his defense. I, I get it. But ultimately, you're the head coach. So when shit hits the fan, everyone looks at you. They don't look at Wade Phillips. They don't look at Jared Goff. They look at the head coach. And defense, and players in general, they know when you're paying attention or when you're not paying attention. And if you give them an inch, they'll take five inches. And then all of a sudden it becomes a foot. And then it becomes 10 feet. And they'll just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And the one thing with Sean McVay, and Les Snead is the guy, just the riverboat gambler acquiring all these players. And they've been lucky. The best players on their team, Aaron Donald hasn't been paid yet. Todd Gurley's a year away. Their star quarterback, I don't know, star might be strong. Their good young quarterback is a couple years away from getting paid. So it's kind of working out. They, they really, they've gotten rid of franchise DBs. So they've had just a unique financial situation. I, I do think this year is going to be really hard. Because if they go through a two-game losing streak, like if you just start, instead of starting 3-1, and one, you start 2-2. Two and two, The pressure in the NFL that snowballs so quickly when you have, I mean, they are, they went from being, yeah, they got to make the playoffs this year to anything less to me than like being in the NFC championship game will feel like a royal failure. I saw it this year with the Raiders. They had made the playoffs the previous year. It wasn't just like, okay, they're going to make the, they're going to be a wild card type team. It's like they're going to go 12 and 4, 13 and 3, and they're going to be in the championship game minimum against the New England Patriots. Like, if the Rams, everyone's thinking right now around the NFL, I mean, the Rams, they're a 12, 13 win team. Well, we see it all the time, man, that you can go, the difference between a 12 win team and an 8 or 9 win team is a couple plays. And the pressure that's going to be on this young coach, 32 years old. Think about that. 32 years old, dealing with all these personalities. I think Aqib Tlaib is like the same age. Marcus Peters clearly is a tough personality. That Andy Reid has been coaching, all, been a head coach in the league almost 20 years, has dealt with every single type of personality, couldn't even handle him. And, and Andy, like Sean, is an offensive coach. So it's not like he's even coaching him every day. Just said, no, I'm out. Aqib Tlaib is no walk in the park. Ndamukong Sue, like, is Sean lighting him up? When he starts freelancing and doing his own thing, because obviously Wade will be on him, but ultimately Wade's not the head coach. I think there's going to be a pressure on this guy uh, that we haven't seen in a long time. It's not going to be easy. Everyone's just chalking them up for all these wins. To me, it's going to be tough because it's twofold. Like I said, the pressure on the young coach that's going to... 
have to do things that he's never experienced before and is going to have situations arise that he's never handled. It's just, it's inevitable, especially with this group of players. On top of that, the Rams are no longer this story that no one saw coming that all of a sudden is a playoff team. They're a team now, especially with these players and everyone anointing this young head coach as like the next Bill Walsh, people are coming gunning for you. People are going to try to take you out. Every team you play against has you circled. Like you are now a big deal on the schedule. So I I think, will it work? I'm not saying it won't work, but I think it is going to be a lot more difficult than most people are saying. That it's just going to be this easy transition, a bunch of wins, easy NFC West, you know, run away with the NFC West and be the number one or two seed. I wouldn't go that fast, that quickly, and feel that confident about that statement. Because I think it's going to be tough for this guy. 32 years old, a ton of pressure, ton of personalities. Last year was easy. Now the heat's on for the Rams. Well, that'll do it. I think this is episode number five. Appreciate everyone listening. Uh, go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, leave a question in the review section. The draft's right around the corner. I'll get to your questions on upcoming episodes. Thanks a lot for making three and out a big deal. This is John Middlecoff on the Colin Coward Podcast Network. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. You know in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, You have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.